Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to e-commerce conversations, a podcast by practical e-commerce. This is Kerry Murdoch with Practical E-Commerce. The rise of e-commerce has reduced local brick-and-mortar sales and the corresponding sales taxes from those transactions, putting states and localities in a revenue bind. A hodgepodge of efforts from the states and now the federal government to address the shortfall and to tax Internet sales is firmly underway. To explain the status of Internet sales taxes and the U.S. congressional efforts at a nationwide solution, we're joined by Jonathan Barsade. He's a sales tax expert and the founder and CEO of Exactor, a sales tax management platform. Jonathan, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me here. Jonathan, we're here today to talk about Internet sales taxes, of course. You're an expert on Internet sales taxes, having founded Exactor, one of the leading platforms for the collection of Internet sales taxes. My first question for you today is, what is the status of Internet sales taxes as it applies to e-commerce merchants in the U.S.? There's really a lot of confusion uh, in the whole area of internet uh, sales uh, sales taxes, and there's a lot of there's sort of a perception out there that there is no taxes on the internet, and that is that's incorrect. So you know one thing to be really clear is that sales tax do apply to the internet. There is no law that says that the internet is a tax-free zone, and there's no, there was never any decision that sort of compared the internet sort of to the duty-free stores we find at airports when you travel internationally. Uh, the confusion sort of emanates uh, from a Supreme Court ruling back in 1992, uh, what's known as the Quill, the Quill case, uh, it was Quill versus uh, North Dakota. And uh, that obviously, 1992, that was obviously way before the days of the commercial Internet as we know it today. And the Quill case actually had to deal with direct marketing, but about 10 years later, it was applied also to uh, the world of the Internet and the e-commerce. And what the Supreme Court held uh, back in the Quill case was that, and what it stated was that states cannot enforce their rules on on out-of-state sellers unless there is a strong connection between the seller and the state. In other words, what's known as and commonly known as nexus. In other words, what this case has to do is actually with the ability of the states to enforce their rules, not uh, that, so not that, it doesn't say that there are no sales tax in these situations. It just says that the states cannot enforce their rules against out-of-state sellers. So when you look at it logically, frankly, I don't think there is any reason why Internet transactions should be treated any differently. 
Uh, the Internet, it's not a new metaphysical sort of environment. It's nothing more really than a method for moving information and just very similar to how um, when transactions um, are uh, conducted through the telephone or through the through the fax machine back in the 80s, and nobody then questioned whether or not uh, there should be a sales tax. There's no reason that uh, transactions that occur on the internet uh, be, receive any kind of different treatment. Uh, the product is delivered, payment is made, very much in the same way that any other uh, type of order is initiated. So the question isn't so much of one of whether or not taxes should apply but rather enforcement, you know, can the states enforce their rules? And while, you know, to many people this might seem semantic, but really consider, consider for example, a law, let's say, against uh, speeding. How many of us really would drive under the speed limit if it became known, you know, that the police cannot issue any speeding tickets? So, um, you know, just because the police can't enforce the rule doesn't, doesn't all of a sudden make speeding legal. Very similar over here, just because uh, the states might not be allowed under today's scheme to enforce their rules under certain situations doesn't mean, though, that sales tax should not be imposed in this environment. What, what is a merchant to do, a merchant listening to this, uh, with the mismatch, as I understand it, the mismatch of, of state laws? We're going to get to the federal pending potential federal legislation here in a sec, but with the mismatch of state laws, various states doing different things to establish nexus, as you've just described it to us, what's a merchant supposed to do uh, to try to comply with all the state laws, the court cases, sometimes conflicting court cases? What's a merchant supposed to do right now? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, there are many merchants out there that even today, uh, even though they might not be required uh, to collect taxes when they're selling in out-of-state situations, uh, they still do it uh, because they want to be on top of things. They're anticipating if there will be a, a rule, and they see no reason why not to collect the taxes. Uh, so it, it, at this point right now, you know, go, going back to our speeding game, to, uh, to our speeding example, um, just because, again, you know, if the police can't enforce their, the rule, doesn't mean though they can't write tickets, doesn't mean the people will not also drive underneath the speed limit. So you'll have people do both. That's exactly what you're seeing today. You're seeing many merchants who are complying um, under the current scheme, and you see many merchants who are not complying, in other words, not collecting sales tax and creating um, really creating a market advantage. Uh, what they can do today, there are uh, if they do want to comply, and is there are different services and uh, that can help them uh, in their compliance efforts. That they are not costly. They can uh, use, utilize these modern day technologies to be able to calculate the taxes and to be able to uh, generate and file the returns. We're going to get to uh, those services here momentarily, including your service. Uh, so. We'll be able to describe. Uh, I'll ask you to describe how the services work and how much it costs merchants and that sort of thing. Uh, moving, moving on, Jonathan, to efforts by the by the U.S. Congress to pass, kind of eliminate the confusion. I guess is it, it would be one way to describe it, and pass a bill to make it uniform nationwide. I believe last year. 
the efforts failed, stalled in Congress. I think that was called the Marketplace Fairness Act. It didn't pass. It passed the Senate. It didn't pass the House. Could you tell us what's the status of congressional efforts with the Marketplace Fairness Act and the prospects of that becoming law at some point? Sure, and I'll be happy to. Uh, so, indeed, uh, over the last few years, the uh, Congress has really uh, tried to respond to the to the situation. So, while the Supreme Court said that really this at the time in the Quill case said that this is um, a function that Congress needs to undertake uh, in its power to regulate interstate commerce, and so they've, uh, there's been a movement over the last few years uh, to try to really regulate uh, this matter. And so last year, the Marketplace Fairness Act uh, pa- uh, was submitted, and it passed indeed in the Senate with a very large, um, what could probably be considered to be very unique in these days, bipartisan vote. If I recall, it was something like 60, uh, in the mid-60s, 67, approximately to, uh, 23, or so, something around that. I've got to, and, um, but really, uh, what's unique about the bill is that it really was across the aisle, uh, also in the House, there is a bipartisan support for it, but the bill is uh, stalled in the House when it was fr- uh, really effectively frozen in, in the Judiciary Committee because uh, while there is very strong bipartisan support for the bill, uh, there, it still does have some very strong, uh, actually, opponents. Um, the Essentially what the MFA does, the Marketplace Fairness Act does, is adopts the principles of what's known as streamlined sales tax. A streamline is an agreement uh, between uh, states that collect sales tax, and of those 45 states, 24 are active members. The purpose of streamline is to essentially stream, uh, simplify and standardize the rules uh, for interstate sales tax. And the uh, treaty really has a broad-based set of rules and standards that have been literally adopted uh, by the states in, and have been adopted into their uh, rules and regulations. And the treaty also includes, among those rules, also includes a a state-funded mechanism, basically, for supporting businesses in their sales tax efforts. And what this mechanism is, it consists of uh, certified service providers that uh, go through essentially a rigorous process of certification uh, applying very stringent uh, set of standards, including safety, scalability, and 100% accuracy. And essentially, uh, the compliance activities that are provided by these companies cover both uh, both sides uh, of sales tax compliance, and that is upfront being able to uh, calculate the taxes accurately at the point of the transaction, as well as the back-end filing, being able to generate and file the returns in all the different states. And what's interesting also, and what is also innovative about this concept, about this mechanism, is that for services that are provided under Streamline, they are these, the activities of these companies are predominantly funded by the states. In other words, the, the merchants essentially don't pay for these functionalities. The... Bottom line is, though, I mean, as you can see, given the fact that you've got two bills circulating, um, even by, you know, even by one, but even by the opponents, is that the prevailing opinion that is that a bill will pass this year. It's unclear which one of the two um, and what might be the final shape and form of it. But the, current, uh, the common notion is that something will happen this year in 2015. 
Has the president uh, publicly said what he would do with it once it's passed? Is he, is he supportive of it? Uh, the, pres- the president uh, last year uh, has expressed his support of the bill, of the MFA. How many states belong to the uh, Streamlined Sales Tax Organization now? There are 24 active members, active, active member states there to, today. So if MFA passes based on the framework of Streamline, does that mean all the states? What happens for the other states that don't, the other states with a sales tax uh, that, don't, that don't belong? Well, um, there are two alternatives. One, they can join uh, the Streamline uh, concept, and the, the, the MFA does have a very long ramp up. It's giving, uh, if I recall correctly, up to about 12 months, basically, until the, uh, until the act becomes active. So uh, non-member states will have a long period, basically, to join. And just, um, just so you understand, when I say that there are 24 active member states, the other states are participating. They're very familiar. They're, act- they're, they're just not active members, but they're definitely uh, part, of the, part of streamlined organizations. So this is not, this, these idea- concepts will not, be new, uh, will not be new to them. But uh, what the MFA also uh, has is an alternative mechanism, basically, that enables uh, states to also uh, still enforce their rules, even if they do not elect not to become members of uh, Streamline, uh, as long as they comply with a certain set of standards that are set uh, forth in the, uh, in, the, in the bill itself. How many, how many states don't have a sales tax? There are five states that officially do not have, but one of them is Alaska. And so while Alaska does not have a state sales tax, it does have local taxes. There are many of the cities in Alaska that do have sales taxes. So if MFA passes in the form that it passed the Senate last year, uh, just to make sure we're understanding, Jonathan, what you're explaining to us here is a merchant would hire one of these certified providers, one of which is your company, of course, Exactor, but the merchant would have a choice of hiring one of these providers. How many, how many of those providers are there? There are six providers today, and with obviously the ability to uh, – the streamline will be adding additional providers. Okay. So the bill, if it is passes in that form, the merchant can tr- choose the provider he wants, and that your platform would – thinking as I'm explaining this, your platform would, if it's, say, your company, the platform integrates with the merchant shopping cart, automatically computes the tax, but under the current form, the state uh, or the local taxing district would pay your fee for that for that work, your company's fee, and not the merchant. Is that it? But uh, let me just caveat also is it's not the merchants are not required. In other words, they don't have to choose the certified provider, it's an option. What would be the alternative? They could do it on their own if they wanted. How many taxing districts are there? There are about 10,000 different taxing jurisdictions in the, in the U.S. today. Changing directions again, Jonathan, what is Amazon's take on all this? Amazon is the obviously the dominant player here. Internet sales tax is often referred to as Amazon tax. So what is, what's Amazon up to with all of this? Well, inter- 
interestingly enough, Amazon is today, it's a staunch supporter of the MFA. And why interesting, you might ask. So, well, as of 12 years ago, there were quotes of the, um, the CEO of Amazon where he is quoted as saying that Amazon will never pay sales tax. And their entire growth and explosion really was premised on operating from a single state, from Washington. Then, um, fast forward, mid 2007, 2008, um, the economic meltdown occurred. States started looking basically for every new source of revenue. But no one, obviously, at that point of time was willing to raise taxes or create new taxes. And so sales tax was really a, it was a prime, it was a prime target because it was an unexplored area. There were studies that were done at the time that were showing that if uh, the Internet and e-commerce continued uh, with their growth traje trajectory, and within a few short years, states will be leaving tens of billions, and that's billions with a B, of dollars on the table in uncollected sales tax. So in other words, back in 2007, 2008, there was, um, it was a realization that um, this is good, they're, they're leaving real money on the table, and they couldn't afford to do that. The big holdback, though, was still the Supreme Court and the Quill case. Uh, now, the Quill case, to remind you, revolved around the question of nexus. So what the states realized is that, and the question is, how do you interpret the term nexus? And you start to see states that became very innovative in their interpretation of this term. And in other words, essentially, what creates the connection between the seller and the state so that they can go and enforce their rules? And, you know, so, for example, one state said that if a salesperson flies into a state, gets off a plane, comes to the buyer's location office, takes out a disc out of their bag, runs an installation program, puts the disc back in their bag, goes straight back to the airport and leaves the state, that creates nexus. And others said, you know, that advertising in a state constitutes nexus. So states got started to become very innovative and try to broaden the scope of the term because the broader uh, the interpretation, obviously, as the wider the scope of their enforcement capabilities. Back around 2007, 2008, uh, New York went one further step and passed what was became, eventually became known as the Amazon law. What New York said is that even if a company doesn't have any presence in the state, if they allow residents of New York to advertise on their website, that, that will create nexus. And this was obviously targeted at Amazon. Amazon at the time objected. They tried uh, disconnecting all New York businesses from their website, hoping to create some type of public outcry and pressure uh, to change the rule. They went to the court. They appealed. They even got all the way to the Supreme Court, and they lost. Uh, many other states uh, followed suit and passed uh, very similar laws. Over the years, what happened was Amazon turned basically this seemingly obstacle into actually a market opportunity. And so what they started doing in the last few years is approaching states that are passing Amazon-type laws and actually offered them to build a local distribution center with, a, you know, hiring thousands of local employees. And they also agreed to start paying sales tax, and they, what they got in return was a deferral on the sales tax. What they've also managed to do is use these local distribution centers as the basis, basically, for their same-day delivery initiatives. And so what we're seeing over here is how Amazon actually took the uh, sales tax obstacle, turned it into a market advantage, and today uh, they've actually become very strong supporters of the MFA. Interesting. 
Jonathan, we have just another minute or two left here, and I've got two questions that uh, I still wanted to ask you. The first is about your company. Uh, we've 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 touched on your company already. Exactor, one of the I think you said six certified service service providers. Tell us a little bit about Exactor. When you found that Exactor, uh, where it's located, that sort of thing. Sure. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you for asking. Thank you for giving me the opportunity here. Uh, so, as indicated, uh, Exactory indeed is one of those companies certified by Streamline. We've been in production already for over eight years, eight and a half, nine years. Uh, we've been uh, around uh, certified under Streamline uh, from, this, from the first round. One of the first uh, three companies to have been certified by Streamline. And um, what we do is we provide really end-to-end solution for sales and use tax compliance. What that means is that we can connect at any point where a, a seller needs to calculate taxes. system, And essentially what will happen is our service will calculate the taxes automatically and seamlessly uh, without, any, uh, without slowing down the transaction uh, or without having to uh, perform any additional functionality. So it's done, all done fully automatically. And we'll insert the taxes accurately into the shopping cart or the invoice or the purchase order, wherever it is. And what happens is, though, we don't stop there. We'll then continue tracking a transaction if there are any changes like product returns, discounts, exemptions. And then we'll take all that data at the end of the month, and we will generate and file the returns across the board. The entire process is fully automatic. And, you know, we cut down compliance for large companies down from maybe several weeks down to maybe a couple of hours, and for small companies really down to minutes. And, and it's, you know, accurate, reliable, and certified, you know, as certified by the Department of Revenue. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. And anything, anything else? I think it's time that we stop pampering the Internet like some kind of toddler. And the Internet is a mature business environment, and I think we really should start giving it the respect that it's due from that aspect. Well, for purposes of our listeners, we've been visiting with Jonathan Barsade. Jonathan is the founder and CEO of Exactor. Exactor is a is a platform for the collection of sales taxes and the remittance of those taxes to to state and local taxing districts, as he just described. The website is exactor.com. That's E X A C T is in Tom O R. Exactor.com. And Jonathan Barsade, we want to thank you for your time today, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh-huh.